Thank you. Oh, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, We've heard so much about you and had not yet had the opportunity to experience your worship. What a great worship team you have. Just an incredible spirit in this place. And so you're a very blessed people, and I feel very blessed to be able to be here this morning and to share just a little bit. As uh, Pastor Brian shared, um, it seems like it's been more than a year, but for at least the last year we've been working together and um, just getting to know your pastoral team. And as I've gotten to know them, there's three observations. There's more, but three I want to share with you. One is they all share the same hairdo. I don't know if you picked up on that, but uh, the second is two of them share the first name. There's just so much going on here, but the, the... The one thing I've observed that's most unique is they're all so differently gifted, very, very uniquely gifted, and that is something that is really incredible when we look at the ministry model that you have here at TBA Church. When we think about three pastors sharing the lead role, I have heard of co-pastors, but never three pastors, and it's it was when we first began to work with it, I thought, boy, this is, this is going to be interesting. And it has been interesting. Because these three men that are leading you are incredible in this way. That none of them really care who gets the credit. None of them cares which one of them might be up front at this point or at that point. What they really care about is for TBA Church to be what Christ intended it for, for it to be. And I just want to tell you, that is an extraordinary thing in today's world. I work with a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, but the humbleness that they display, it's incredible. So just give your pastors a warm thank you for what they do. Amen. Before I read the word this morning, I'm just going to invite you to join me as we just go before the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come into this place, we often do so with many pressing needs. We come in, Lord, sometimes with anxiety and sometimes unsettledness in our hearts and our minds. And Lord, we know today that the enemy would want to keep us from hearing what your Holy Spirit would want to say to us. So in this moment, we just bind the enemy. In this moment, Lord, we just give you our hearts and our minds. And Lord, if we can just crack the window of our mind, you will fill our hearts and our souls with your spirit this morning. So we pray that as we look into your word, that it will touch our hearts, that it will direct our feet and our path. We ask it in your precious name. Amen. As Pastor Brian shared, I'm going to continue the series that you're in, The Body Life, and you'll see that um, the scripture this morning is Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11 and going through verse 14. And it reads this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Uh Uh-oh. If you could take over, I don't know, I've done something wrong here. Oh, there we go, I'm sorry. Yeah, new guy on stage. You've got to give me a break. Verse 13. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. 
We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. As we look at this scripture this morning, the first thing you see there is, I want you to know that your leaders, your pastors, and your leadership team, they are gifts from God. Have you ever thought of it in that perspective? That they're gifts? And as I talk this morning, I want to talk about the body life getting in shape. And so as we think about the body, to really get in shape, we have to understand the body. We have any sport fans here today? Any of you that are uh, really into the Olympics? Some of you. <laughs> well, it comes and goes in a couple of weeks. And last week, and it concluded, but one of the highlights of the Olympic was, and I'll emphasize, the women's swimming team. If you're keeping up with it, you know, it's the women that we're going to emphasize here, not the men, but the women's uh, swimming team, and a gal named Katie Ledecky. And she won five gold medals. She had an incredible Olympics. And I heard an interview uh, earlier this week. I heard her being interviewed, and she began to share the regiment of workout that she went through in preparation for the Olympic Games, and it blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. She would work out twice a day, and in addition to that, three times a week, she called it land training, which, you know, if you're a swimmer, you're in the pool all the time. And there are two workouts a day. In the first workout, she would swim 6,000 yards. And in the afternoon workout, another 8,000 yards. That's 14,000 yards or 140 football lengths, foot, a football field length. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, just think about that. I couldn't run a football field 140 times in the course of a week. And she's swimming it. Her day would start at 4.15 every day, and, it wouldn't, and she would go to bed at 9 o'clock. Now, you need to understand, I think she's 17 or 18 years old. She's a freshman going into uh, Stanford University. That's incredible discipline. Incredible drive. But she knew to compete at the highest level with swimmers all across the world that she had to be in the best shape possible or she wouldn't be successful. And when we think about the body of Christ, isn't it important for us to be in shape? Isn't it critical that if we're going to overcome the adversary, that if we're going to live in a world of, of, of which we live, which is full of confusion, uh, it's, it's full of just a time of unrest when you look at all of the different things that are happening with the uh, terrorists around the world, when we think about the, the, the Black Lives Matters and the Blue Lives Matters and all these different lives matters, and we look at our political scene, you could look at that and you could be really discouraged, but I'll say to you today that God is in control, and we are His church. But here's the thing, church, we have to be in shape. And so to understand the shape of the church, we need to understand the different roles that we play. And as I was praying and, and pr putting this message together, it, it occurred to me that this is pretty basic stuff. It's pretty simple stuff. It's stuff that you probably have heard before. It's stuff that I would assume that you would already know. But if we would apply it to a greater degree than where you are now at TBA Church, you can rock this community even more so. 
And so why it may be at a level of, of introduction, if you would, on depth of biblical understanding, I hope that you will grasp that just simply knowing something doesn't mean we do it well. And so as we begin and we think about spiritual leaders are gifts to us, that's an incredible thought. I know growing up, I didn't necessarily think that my pastors were gifts to me. I'm not sure what I thought as a youngster, but I know as I got older, I kind of looked at them as the ones that were supposed to do the stuff. You know, they prayed, they preached, they came and saw people when they were hurting. They were the, the, the people who just kept everything going, and, and that was pretty much the case. But as you, if you start thinking about gifts, I would ask you this question. This is a good question. What's the greatest gift you've ever given? Now think about that for a minute. What is the greatest gift that you have ever given? And then follow that up with the question, well, why was that the greatest gift you ever gave? Probably because it, it brought a lot of joy to the person you gave it to. It might be that it met a, a deep need of the person you gave it to. And as I thought about that question, I answered it. And I thought about um, a few years back when our children were smaller, we had a little miniature dachshund. And uh, we had had her for a long time, and, and she, she died. And I was kind of like done with the whole dog scene. We had three kids, and they were, you know, seven, four, one, and, you know, just, just, it was nine years of diapers and formula, you know? And it was just like, I don't need a dog. And our oldest one, who at the time was about 10 years old, he wanted a dog, and he kept asking for a dog, and I kept pushing him away. I kept, no, we don't need a dog. We have, you know, we were pastoring. We were in North Carolina. We didn't have any family around. It was just, we don't need a dog. And I can remember the breaking point. I came in for dinner, and I sat down, and my wife, Julie, who's right over here, waved to the people. She's, thank you for coming with me. She, um, she, she pointed to a little clipping, a little newspaper clipping, and it was a, it was a wanted, it was a classified ad dachshunds for sale that my son had gone through the paper he had found it he clipped it out and it was only 35 bucks so it was like okay this is the time and i can remember we we actually snuck the dog in the car on a 10-hour drive from north carolina back to daytona where our family was and gave it to them at christmas it was the greatest gift one of the greatest gifts we've ever given to see the joy and the excitement on the face of our kids it was just an incredible gift and as I think about gifts, and I think about Jesus, and we know Jesus is the head of the church, right? And we are the body. And when Jesus is thinking about what it is that he would give to his church, his bride, the one that he's going to return and receive, the gift that he gave you were your spiritual leaders. That's pretty amazing when you think of it in those terms. And he gave that gift because he knew the body would gain joy from them. And he knew the body needed them and that they would meet a need. And I want to be sure to say today that there are spiritual leaders all over this place outside of your three lead pastors the leadership team, those who are over ministries, those who are leading small groups. They're all different, different perhaps levels, if you would. But they're all gifts to us, the body of Christ. The second thing I want to share with you is he gave you these gifts so that you can live sent. I have to say to you, 
I love the frame, the words, living scent, being the hands and feet of Jesus. I don't think I've ever heard it put in such a way that it could be put on a t-shirt and you just can't miss the meaning of it. I love the mission statement, living scent. It's an incredible, it's just, it's just beautiful. Jesus gave you the spiritual leaders that you have so that you can accomplish that which he has called you to do. That does not exclude spiritual leaders. They are to live sent too. But their responsibility, you see in verse 12, is to equip God's people for the work of service, to build up the church, the body of Christ. The, the pastors are given to you not so much just to take care of you or to fill a role, but they were given to you by Christ himself, called by God, anointed by God, uniquely gifted, all three of your lead pastors, uniquely uh, gifted, extremely different, yet completely unified for the purpose of equipping you. Now I want to let you in on something. You can't equip somebody who doesn't want to be equipped, okay? It's kind of like the old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. But I can tell you their hearts, their hearts are to give everything that, was, that is within them to make sure they give, they give you everything that you need to successfully live out the mission of being the hands and feet of Jesus. I know we have a lot of sports fans, and I use a lot of sports illustrations because I love sports, but how many of you can name one equipment manager on any NFL team? You can't. Maybe, maybe you didn't even know there were equipment managers. Well, there are equipment managers. There's a lot of equipment to manage. And a, a typical NFL roster has 53 players. You know what that equates to? 53 shoe sizes for an equipment manager. And I was reading up on it. They work 80 plus hours a week. Some of them make really good money. And when you begin to think about it, you probably have seen the equipment manager in action when someone had a jersey torn or when someone uh, needed different cleats, the ones that they had weren't gripping the, the turf or a face mask gets broken and you see them spring into action. It's a thankless job but it's critical. I read the quote of one equipment manager when he was asked, what is your biggest fear? He says, my biggest fear is that we get to the game and I don't have a game jersey for one of the players. <laughs> I mean, you begin to think about it. Equipping those athletes to go out and perform is what their job is. But how insane would it be for someone, a coach, to send the equipment manager out onto the field? Now, that wouldn't be pretty at all, would it? Your pastors have been given to you for the very specific purpose of making sure you have everything that you need so that when you go out to live sent, that you can be successful. When they send you out, when God sends you out, when you go into the workplace, when you go into the neighborhood, when you go into family events, that you are prepared for everything that might come your way. And here's the good news. 
At times we find out we're not equipped and we can run off the field and get to the sideline and the equippers are there to say, how can I help you? And then send you back out. There's been this thing going on in, in uh, church in America today where I think we've misused our pastors. We've thought differently about them. And I'll never forget the commercial when I saw it years back, a Q-tip commercial. And do you remember this? Some of you that are my age or or not quite as old as me will remember. The commercial said the Q-tip is designed to caress the outside of the ear. And I'm like, well, no, it's not. I use Q-tips every day. I use them to clean my ears. But somebody sued them, and so they had to change their intended use. But the reality of it is, while they may tell you they're not, be, they're not to be used to go into the ear to caress the outside of the ear, it's like you really don't need a Q-tip to caress your ear. That's why we have dogs, you know. They lick our ears. They keep them clean, you know. <laughs> no, that's gross. If we don't understand, part of getting in shape is understanding that our pastors are gifts, and they are gifts to us to equip us, then we may have a wrong understanding and we may misuse our pastors. One of the things when we came into Florida Ministries and to set with your pastors that we noticed right away is they were tired. Well, that's no surprise. You're probably tired too. We live in a fast-paced world. But they were tired to the point that they weren't able to see where God was leading. They weren't able to, to really, it was just a tough place. And as we began to to, uh, understand where they were, it was very clear that there needed to be a paradigm shift in the way that they led. And this happens to all of us. This happened to me as a pastor. But as I began to pastor, my main focus was to equip, but I also had to do a lot of stuff because there wasn't anybody stepping up to do it or my issue, well, they can't do it as well as I can, so I'll do it. Regardless of our reasoning, when the pastors are doing more than they're equipping, they're out of alignment. They're like the Q-tip that's being misused. Their main focus is to equip you. And I know they have worked extremely hard this past year and and looking at what they do and adjusting their calendars to make sure that they're focused on developing small group leaders, that they're putting together the D groups that that Brian Stuyvesant is working on, that they're, they're doing all of these different things, Highland City and leadership development that Dave's working on, all of these things that you're gonna be seeing Perhaps you'll see, but most of them are behind the scenes where they're equipping. They're equipping this church so that it can do even greater things than what it's already doing. And I want to tell you, you're doing amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. I was telling my wife as we were coming in about Highland City and, and what you do there. Just, and I know you're going to be uh, talking about that later today. Really, really cool stuff. But they are here to equip you, church. Look at the scripture in Philippians 2. Beginning with verse 5. This is a, a powerful scripture. You must have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. Well, right there, there's that gut check. Oh, yeah, I got to have his attitude instead of my attitude. <laughs> Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave us divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. 
That's powerful scripture. When we think of who Jesus was and what he did, he taught us what it says in Matthew 20, 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. If Christ had the attitude of not staying on the throne, not staying in the heavenly realm, but coming to earth and submitting himself to persecution, ridicule, and even death. And to serve instead of be served. That would tell me that my attitude must also be the attitude of serving versus being served. He gave so you can grow strong in your faith. So we have the gift of spiritual leaders. We know that they're to equip us. And they're equip us so that we can grow strong in our faith. Verse 13. This will continue. What's going to continue? Them equipping us. They will continue to equip you until you come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, we know that none of us will ever arrive to a place that we can't grow. But we can grow to a place of maturity. And when we grow to a place of maturity, there's unity. It's a byproduct. We don't have to call a board meeting or a church gathering to say, let's be unified. We just are. Because we have not only the knowledge that we need, but we have the heart and we're doing it with our hands and our feet. And it's in that whole process that we grow and we become mature. We don't grow in maturity just because we know the Bible. Knowing the Bible is a good thing. The scripture says, hide it in your heart that you might not sin against God. So we need to know the word. But simply knowing the word does not make us mature. It's what we do with the word. It's when we take the word and we begin to apply it in our lives. There's this move across America that's been going on for a long time, and I'm happy to say that I see God has called that off. God is uh, dealing with that with his spiritual leaders. But this is what the move was. And it was out of a desire to see God's church grow. We call it the church growth movement. And in the church growth movement, one of the most important things, if not the important, most important thing was Sunday morning church. It's really, really important. I'm glad you're here. And by the way, I like early service too. We go to early service when we can. You early risers, you're just my kind of people. But the thing was, is, is as, as we think about this, uh, the, the service became an attraction model. So whichever church had the best band, and you got a really good one, whichever church had, had the coolest stuff and the best ministries, well, we're going to go to that one. Guess what that began to do? It turned, it turned the body of Christ into consumers. And I don't even think that we, we know it sometimes. So we go to church as a consumer. You know what a consumer is, right? A consumer is someone who, who thinks the more they consume, the more beneficial it is. And so we live in this consumerism mentality in America. Every night when I go to bed, I have to pray, Dear Jesus, don't let my wife go on Amazon. And the next morning I get up and I check our credit card. Oh, Lord, she did. She went again. It's a great thing. And she doesn't misuse it at all. 
but, but, you know, it's so easy now to buy stuff. And then they deliver it to our, we're Prime, we're Amazon Prime. So we get free delivery, two-day delivery, you know, it's, it's cool stuff. It's that whole consumer mentality, and there's nothing wrong with that. We need stuff. But when we come to church, we need to be contributors. Not overwhelmed with consumerism. Oh, please understand, and we come, when you come today, it's all about us coming together and us worshiping God. There are times in that that we just need a filling of God. In fact, it's pretty much every week. We need a filling of the Holy Spirit. That's not consumerism. That's reliance. It's, Lord, fill me up so that I can go out. Versus the mentality of, I think the sound is a little too loud this morning. Or the pace of the songs or are a little too fast or that wasn't my favorite song we need more of this more of that whatever it would be I don't like the preacher well I'm going to leave in a little bit so that's okay someone else will take over you know that's that's that consumerism mentality and I just want to say to you church guard your hearts against it guard your hearts against consumerism it's kind of like when we look at the body of Christ it's kind of like if you if you have kids or you've raised kids, you understand it tremendously, don't you? My wife is um, going through all of our movie films of our family, and it goes back to some really weird sizes and all this stuff, and she's sending them off to get them put on, on uh, DVDs or CDs, and, and um, she was watching some of them this week, and she called me into the room, and it was like, oh, wow, I'm really old. <laughs> you know, 25 years ago, looking at our kids and where they were, and and I look at them where they were, and I look at where they are, and I thank God that they're uh, mature young people. Sometimes I wonder, but for the most part, they are mature young adults doing a great job. And then I thought of my, my administrator in West Palm Beach, and she had a Down syndrome child, and Scotty's a really wonderful guy. And I met Scotty in 1996, and I got to be around Scotty a lot, but Scotty hasn't changed since 1996 and he was 25 years old at the time you see Scotty had matured to the place that he would be but he would always be dependent on his mother and father because of his disability and they would always have to care for every one of his needs because he didn't have the ability to mature I want to say to you church there's nothing more discouraging to the body of Christ when a believer a follower of Christ a member of the body of Christ doesn't mature because here's the thing we aren't Scotties God has given you the ability to grow up in Christ he's called you, he's gifted you he's given you pastors to equip you but we we all have to put our hearts and our minds and our souls into following Christ I'm not going to be a consumer. I'm going to be a contributor. I want to grow up strong. I want us to reach the place that we all come to such a unity and faith and knowledge that we will be mature in the Lord and Lakeland will never be the same because of it. And I know you're having a drive for small groups. If you're not in a small group, I want to really encourage you to get in a small group. Give it a chance. Get out of your comfort zone. And get in a group. You're going to find love. You're going to find support. You're going to find a, a community that you have never experienced before. So as we kind of bring things to a conclusion this morning, I just want to simply ask you this question. Are you overcome or are you overcoming? 
I'm going to ask the band if they would come. And to answer this question, it's pretty simple. There are times when we, our trust in the Lord is just low, when we're when we being overcome, and we just need to be equipped, we need to be filled up. The scripture says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. You see, overcomers have matured. I'm going to ask you if you would just to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And I want you to take just a moment to kind of do a self-check, a self-evaluation. Invite the Holy Spirit in on the conversation and simply ask the question, am I maturing in the Lord? Am I overcome or am I an overcomer? And if you find in your heart that you have stalled out or you've grown stagnant in your growth in Christ, this is your day. This is your opportunity. And right here, as we sit in this place, ask the Lord to show you what he would have you to do.